please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and hit the bell so that you get notified every time we drop an episode and you don't miss out on anything if you're about to listen please just subscribe you can always you know come back and unsubscribe if you don't like it but please subscribe first thank you do it right now right now hit the button (laughs) let's go Welcome to the Dirty Lie Podcast. This is our anniversary episode. I'm Des and I'm here with... TMT. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? It's been one year of listening to us talk talk about things. What do we talk about on this podcast, Tim Ter? Strange things lost in the annals of history. Things that, you know, aren't super accessible to people but should be because they're just so strange that everyone should have them at the back of their heads tucked somewhere those things Mm, mm. i was thinking like one year right what do i hit you guys with how do i bring together all these different things that we've spoken about assassinations africa nigeria what else Crimes, mafia. Weird, what else we talk strange about? families. Strange families, like dictators and their kids. I was like, man, can I, can I find an episode that can cover nearly all of this? Do you think I accomplished it, Tim Tyler? Um, do, do I think you've accomplished it so far, or you have, you've accomplished it with this episode? Yeah, like, do you think I'd be able to find a guy who can, who can take Africa and Russia and Gaddafi and Saddam and assassinations and weird families and American imperialism? Do you think I can find one person, one person to just Um, cover all? (laughs) I I think it's possible. I think you can do a lot in the average human lifespan. Which, if we're looking at for this person, we need to be maybe 60 to 70 years. I think someone can get a lot done. In 60 to 70 years? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say that this guy got this all done in 30 years? 30? Mm. It's been 30 years, I would say. Okay. Today, we are going to talk about one man. His name is... Roy M. Belfast Jr. Okay. He is also known as Chucky Taylor, Charles MacArthur Emmanuel, Charles Taylor Jr. and Charles Taylor II. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? I mean, I just feel like you need to be very, very like, you know, uh, clear that look, I'm the second. Mm. I'm not the first I'm one. not, yes. Uh, different Who's guy. Charles Taylor? Different guy entirely. Charles Taylor. I had an Greek teacher, and I thought he was Charles Taylor, and he was hiding in my school. I'm mm. pretending to be the Greek teacher because they had a striking <laughs> resemblance. Like it was, it was uncanny. How uh, old were you? I was like you... eleven. Wait, sorry. What year was that? No, what year was that? Um, must have been year seven or year eight. No, that's about what year? Oh, two thousand and three. Also, Charles Taylor was actually in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, he was. Th- I so think he, he was. He could have been. He could have been. He could have been. Agree. Yeah, but I was very sure. I was very sure it was him. And every time I try to talk about it, people will be like, "Stop it! That's rude." 
I'm like, no, Charles Taylor is a handsome man. Like, shut up. Don't say that. Just stop talking about Charles Taylor. But okay, fair enough. Yeah. You went to school in Lagos, Abbey? Yeah, it was, this school was in the corridor. Ah, I see. Mm. I mean, that's a good place to hide. I think it's a good place to hide if you were the then deposed um, former dictator president of Liberia. I think Ikorudu is mm. a good place to kind of keep a low profile for a while. Okay, let's go into my facts then. Mm. Should we go into the facts? Um. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I had trouble choosing the facts like okay i had i had serious trouble choosing this fact mm. but your teacher might not have been charles it could have been chucky so fact number one mm-hmm. after his father was deposed yeah in 2003 in july 2003 chucky taylor followed his father to calabar in nigeria and embarked on trying to build a rap career <laughs> that's fact one okay back to charles taylor jr aka chucky aka roy m belfast jr is the only american in history that has ever been convicted of torture committed abroad okay fact two he's the only think of all the americans and all the bad things that have happened in the history of america yeah chucky taylor is the first and only american committed convicted Mm. of torture abroad okay and fact number three chucky taylor was in his free time an arms dealer and diamond trader who was working with ex-south african defense force men mm-hmm. and the ukrainian mafia mm-hmm. number three sounds real just based on okay. um based on what we discussed with jimori son um mm. kenji it just sounds like a thing you could catch a president's son doing just in trying to find mm. himself, you know, those years. Mm. Mm. Um, the human rights thing. Yeah. Um, torture. See, that's tricky. That's tricky. Why? Because. Is he American? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the thing is, okay. So here's my thing. Um, the question is, did he do it, and was he? Uh, was he like arrested for it? You know, was he charged? Because you can yeah. say now that he did it, but he wasn't charged, and that's your charged. that's your, your trick. I don't want to do that. I don't, or would he be the first ever in the history of America? Also, you know what I'm saying? Mm. As a person only found guilty, mm. like there's nobody else. Mm. See, I don't like that. I don't like that. And the first one, but the first one, Calabar rap career. Yeah. Does that sound right for a dictator's son to just be like? Um, How I be? I mean, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Um, Okay, uh, Kalaba. Okay, this is a tricky one. I just don't feel like, I I don't feel like it's the, 
I don't I don't think it's the the torture one because I mean you have guys like Oliver North and Cole I've just been you know, I just run them up for so long I'm sure surely someone of his ilk. Uh, okay, let's go with Calabar. So what's the lie? What's the lie? Calabar's the lie. Yeah, Calabar's the lie. You're sure? I'm not sure. This is our anniversary episode. It has emotional significance. Do you want to get this right or not? I want is to that get your final answer. I want to get it right. Do you want to call a friend? There's no way for me to know, so I'm just going to stick with 50 50. No, you're going to stick with Calabar. Yeah, the stakes are that high. That I want to call a friend. It's a, it's a game on the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. I, who wants to be a millionaire? Not TMT. Yeah, well, it's my honor and privilege to let you know that you got it right but it's not it's not why it's not what you think what do i think you think you got it right because of calabar but he was in calabar but then he left calabar and went to trinidad and then tried to be a rapper from trinidad oh nice 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 but let's go to the beginning okay let's go to the very beginning of Roy because why was his name Roy mm. so Chucky Taylor is in Nigerian terms what you call an outside baby so Chucky Taylor was born in Massachusetts in 1977 he is the son of Bernice Yolanda Emmanuel and Charles Taylor mm. um, Bernice and Charles had met when Charles was just like a student in Boston before Charles Taylor became commander, you know, before he became a rebel with a cause, he was a rebel without a cause. Um, he was in uni in America. He met Bernice. She is Trinidadian American. And they had a son who died seven months after he was born. And then they had a daughter. Mm-hmm. And then they had Charles Jr. Chucky. Now, Chucky. Then they had Chucky. Now, um, they were living together in America for a couple of years, but Charles Taylor was still living his like Liberian rebel life without Bernice. You know, she was like his American pie mm. with some kids. Um, and then Charles Taylor gets arrested, breaks out of maximum security prison, mm. and flees to Liberia. Did you know this? He gets he he he, he escaped maximum security prison where? in pennsylvania uh-uh. exactly okay that was for me i was like whoa did not know that part of his life you left him ago. apparently yeah apparently he like tries to make it seem like the cia broke him out he he used like a car thief as his co-conspirator or something he just breaks out of prison please america goes back to liberia and doesn't see mm-hmm. his kids again and at this point charles chucky chucky is a kid he barely even knows like he doesn't he's like a toddler really so he doesn't know charles taylor and charles taylor is living his life in exile doing his thing he doesn't really call maybe he'll call once or twice a year or something be like oh i have one family in america but like that's it Mm. when chucky is 14 years old by this time his mom has moved them from boston out to orlando she's remarried a guy called roy Mm. I think this is weird, right? So you name your son Charles Jr. Then after his dad, then you marry a guy called 
Roy Belfast. And then you legally change your son's name to Roy Belfast Jr. <sighs> Be creative. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's true. Mm. Can't you create a name for the boy? Like, that's a bit weird. Right. Do you think that's weird? I mean, it might be a gesture that the men were maybe like the new husband would have appreciated at the time. Yeah. So the new husband says, like, he's quoted as being saying that at that point, he's basically Chucky's dad. Mm. Like, Chucky only knows this his stepfather as his dad. Mm. He doesn't know who Charles is. Like, he doesn't think he has some African dad somewhere or whatever. He's an American teenager and he's in orlando he grows up down the road from disneyland Mm -hmm. and he's a tout like he's carrying guns he's getting expelled from school Mm. and he's also suffering from mental health problems he tries to kill himself more than once um he's getting in trouble with the law like obstruction of justice fighting a cop you know that kind of just bad gang american youth style so bad gang with a pistol Okay. A chop gang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then one day when he's 14, Charles Taylor calls. And this is like two years before he becomes president. But by this time, he's really powerful. He's head of, you know, rebel forces. He's in charge of what's called Greater Liberia. So a large area in the country is under his purview. Mm-hmm. Like he's a king shot in his own castle. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not yet president of Liberia. And he calls the mom this is in like 1992 Mm. so chucky's like 14. he calls the mom and chucky picks up the phone i don't know how he has a number or whatever but chucky picks up the phone in orlando he's like what's up and the guy on the other end is like hello i'm your daddy (laughs) give the phone to your mother (laughs) and chucky's like oh what the fuck He's just like, what? what? Uh, he tells his mom, he's like, you know, some guy called saying he's my dad. Mm. And his mom is like, yeah, you know that guy on the news all the time, like that African leader, you know, fighting for the liberation of Liberia, probably having some CNN interviews. That's your daddy. Mm. And Charles basically convinces them to come and visit him in Liberia. And they were good too. No. <laughs> Apparently, at this point in time, she was having problems with Roy. Okay. And Bernice is kind of thinking, like, I just dated some random guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 15 years ago. And now he's this revolutionary. I think so. She, I think she's feeling it too. But she goes. Mm-hmm. So Bernice packs her two kids and they go to visit their dad in Liberia. And he separates them so he keeps bernice and the daughter in some one place and he takes his son into another you know and he's basically like hardening his son Mm. and he puts his son under the care of this guy i think he called yeaton who's like a very like a top general who's known for making like crucifixions of people and torture and stuff like that so he he takes a troubled kid from Florida, and if there's anything we know about Florida, it's that people there don't know more. He takes a troubled American teenager from Florida and then dumps him in the front lines of the Liberian Civil War. Jeez. So, yeah, this is like the worst of all worlds coming together. Now, Chucky is uh, 
apparently changed from this experience, which very unsurprising. Mm. Um, and they go back to America and his father is leading the, so Charles is head of the NPL, NPFL, which I always say NPFF. I don't know why we do that, but it's NPFL is the National Patriotic Front of Liberia. And it's obviously the armed insurgency group or rebellious group or revolutionary group, depending on who you speak to. Mm -hmm. But they are in the middle of this civil war and he goes back. And mind you, like, as I said, he's troubled. And now he has seen even more trouble. So what does he do when he gets back? Does he go back to school? Yeah, he goes back to school and takes advantage of the vast resources that he now has access to, thereby becoming the best version of himself. And he lives a solid life for the, for, for the rest of his days. Is that what happens? Um, you're very close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, he goes back to America, gets two of his friends, a pistol, and starts causing havoc. He then tries to mug someone. This is another kid. He tries to mug a kid. The the kid. Um, so in in this this is like he's like fourteen. He goes back right. In like a two year period, he's just getting in trouble, running with a bad crowd in Liberia, mugging people in America in Orlando. Oh, oh, alright. In Orlando, like when he returns back to America, he doesn't go back to school. He just becomes like super thug. Yeah, like a thug. Mm. Like he literally, like what you imagine a thug to be. That's the life he was living. He move around with like a pistol. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like petty crimes and stuff. So he tries to mug someone. He's 17 now. So there's three years of him just like running rampant. Mm -hmm. He tries to mug a guy. The guy runs away. He chases the guy back into the guy's yard. And the guy's dad opens the door. And he pulls a pistol on the dad, but he doesn't shoot. But he gets arrested. And this time they're like, you're 17. All the things you were doing before, you were a child. 17, you're an adult in Florida. You're getting big time. Mm -hmm. Like, this is it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. time for you to go to jail. Mm -hmm. And Bernice's mom calls Charles like, hey, I hear you're about to be president. Your son is in trouble. I've tried my best for the first 16 years. Now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. And... He gets out on bail and jumps bail and runs to Liberia. Nice. Doesn't. So that's the beginning. I would say that is the beginning now of Chucky Taylor. Mm. Now, did I, I don't know if I mentioned, but Bernice was Trinidadian American. Okay. So that is how he ends up in Trinidad. Mm. Oh, but by the way, this between last 14 and 17 years old, yeah, when he was running the streets of Orlando. Mm -hmm. He falls in love with a Korean-American girl called Lynn. I just want everyone to pack that in their head because she becomes his baby mama and wife and kind of important. Okay. In town. All right. So, yeah. Why does he become the first American found guilty of torture? Because this man, Tintaro, mm -hmm. this man will give Uday Hussein a run for his money. Jeez. What? He will give Uday a run for his money. I was, he was, um, he's brought, let me tell you, the level of violence and sickness that is going on here. You have Liberia, which has already gone through civil war, a lot of torture mm -hmm. and human rights abuses. You have 
Charles Taylor, who has entered using like the RAF into Sierra Leone, causing their own, you know, adding to their own civil war, blood diamonds. Mm. You have a teen who grew up on the streets in Orlando, Mm -hmm. moving, you know, doing drugs, carrying pistols, doing cocaine, going to jail in America. So imagine just this uh, rice cooker of destruction. He goes, also, you have a guy who, for the first 15, 14 years of his life, his dad kind of abandoned him. Yeah. So now he goes and he's trying to prove to his dad that, like, I'm your son. Mind you, like, apparently when he was first born, his dad was like, that's a white baby. <laughs> what? Like, his dad was like, that's not a black. Like, his, he didn't look... He was yellow. He was a very light-skinned kid yeah. when he was born, apparently. And his dad was like, are you sure that's mine? Okay. <laughs> but by this time, when he's 17, he is like the carbon copy of his dad. Hmm. You know what they say about outside babies? Yeah, they shine the brightest. Twinsies. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to Liberia and it's his turn. His, obviously, his, his dad is not trying to raise him. So, but he's trying to prove to himself, like prove to his dad that like, I'm your son, right? Mm. During this time, Charles Taylor is obviously, people obviously trying to kill him. Mm. And he survives a really bad assassination attempt. After this, Chucky comes up with the bright idea to create and oversee the anti-terrorism unit, ATU, which was also known in Liberia as the Demon Forces. Hmm. a unit that was responsible for protecting Taylor and his family, as in Charles Taylor and their wider family. Now, if you think like at this point in time, he was 25 years old. So he's obviously been there for a while, trying to find his feet, mixing with his cousins. He's speaking Liberian pigeon by this point. You wouldn't even know he grew up in America. I'm sure. Like he's really... I'm sure they would know, but there's an article which quotes his cousin as saying that you would not even have believed he grew up in America. But the only way I can make sense of that is that Liberia is also quite close to America and like their accents are also quite close just because of the history of the country. So that's the only way I can make sense. Yeah, that's the only way I can make sense of that because like how wouldn't you have known? I don't know. Do you know, Mm -hmm. 15 years is a long time for somebody to erase that part of their identity. Yeah. This boy's name was Roy and he lived down the road from Disneyland. That'd be Mm -hmm. Disney World. And now he's a rebel force leader in the jungle, (laughs) in the bush, in Liberia. Like it's, (laughs) that's a quick turnaround. Mm. I'm going to tell you. So he's 25. He's created and commanded the anti-terrorist unit, which is the president's personal security force. Mm. And it was such a source of pride that Chucky had the ATU's emblem, a crest that consisted of a hissing cobra and a scorpion tattooed onto his chest. Whoa. No surprise he created this crest himself. And they were not just called the demon forces as some secret thing. Chucky Taylor used to ride around in a land cruiser with a license plate that read demon. Uh, I actually kind of like that. You quite, you kind of like that. Yeah, kind of cute. I, could, I mean, just based on his age, around the time he's doing all this nonsense, it makes a lot of sense. This is a man that should have been in yeah. college, being an idiot he's, in college. Yeah. Except, no, he's in a war zone. 
with a gun and a near infinite yeah. amount of resources. So he's going to do other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so his license plate was Demon. He used to roll around. He always had a nine millimeter on him. Nine millimeter pe- nine nine millimeter pistol. Which is very American, I think. And a cigar. So he was always pistol, cigar, and on demon time. (laughs) (laughs) Can't remember demon time during COVID lockdown. Oh, yeah. Despite my best efforts, I can't. (laughs) Now, like, you know how people of Baghdad said that they used to fear Uday Hussein? Yes. That is how people used to fear Chucky Taylor. And like, I've read articles where he has been, multiple articles where they compare him to the Hussein sons. Like when they compare him to Uday and Kuste Hussein. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not reaching. <laughs> this is a thing that people do. There is a story about, what are you going to say? No, 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 I was just laughing because um, I, just, I, just, I just imagine if Uday had like a car that said Demon <laughs> <laughs> was driving around back there. <laughs> um, sorry, continue. There's a story that's like um, really popular about uh, towards the end of Charles Taylor's rule before Charles was thrown out and ran to Calabar. Hmm. Um, Chucky was being driven around by his driver. Obviously, his driver is part of this ATU force that he's you know in charge of. And a dog runs in front of the car and the driver hits the dog by mistake. Now, Chucky Taylor inspects his car and he's like, that dog has dented my car. And then calls other ATU soldiers and says, I would like to see blood and... I said, I would like you to beat him until I see bone and shit. Beats who? The, The driver. Because there's a dent on the car because a dog ran in front of the car. They beat the driver to death. Yeah. Now, this is another thing that is similar with Hussein. His dad, Charles Taylor, uh, war crimes, Charles Taylor, was like, bro, even this is too much. Relax, relax, man. Like, relax. <laughs> like, this is, like when Saddam was saying, Ude, how far? Like, so Charles was like, Charles actually gets pissed off. He's like, bro, you keep killing people. You can't kill your driver. Like, he's part of your forces. It's bad for morale. Like, he's part of the squad you command. So his dad actually takes him, like, removes him as commander. And then he goes to the family of the driver, and he gives them $1,000. And he's like, I'm so sorry, guys. I went, I didn't think they would kill him. I just thought they would beat him. Okay. Like, what? So he beats up this guy and like apparently Charles Taylor, the brother-in-law of the guy is said to have said that Charles Taylor himself, like the dad sent them $16,000 to take care of the driver's children and burial and whatever. And was just kind of like, sorry for my son. Yeah. Now, these ATU forces he created, Hmm. this is where South African mercenaries come in. This is the part of the pod that I'm not sure how much information I should give because I don't want people to get lost. But you have uh, ex-members of the South African Defense Force, the SADF, who had served in Angola. Remember Angola? We talk about Angola 
with Nigeria um, supporting FL, um, FPLA and South mm -hmm. Africa supporting UNITA and how Americans were getting involved in Angola, all those like, you know, back back in those days. Um, you had South African guys who were supporting in Angola, right? And then when South Africa pulled away their official uh, support, you now had soldiers who were already there who were like, now nah, this is good money and good action. So they stay mm. behind. Mm. Now these soldiers get hired by the Sierra Leonean president. Okay. This is now Liberia's uh, neighbor. They get hired by the Sierra Leonean president who doesn't really have money but has diamonds. Mm, I get that. I'm going to read. Yeah. yeah. And then these same type of guys, where are their diamonds also? In Liberia. Right. So they then form relationships because Charles Taylor also supports an in, um, intervention like rebel forces into Sierra Leone. So these guys also form relationships with Charles Taylor and with his son chucky they teach him as you can imagine white south african mm -hmm. mercenary soldier tactics yeah mixed with liberian torture tactics oh dear. mixed with american gang tactics mixed with things he learned on video games Jesus. he brought these all into a handbook and used it to create his demon force mm -mm -mm. He was found guilty of torture and he was sentenced to 97 years in prison. So what? <laughs> so how many years? 97. Nine, seven uh, years in prison. Okay. So, how have you known? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to say? I was going to ask if he was in, if he's in prison now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. In America? Mm -hmm. He's in prison in America. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you how that happened because one thing I can say about this guy is that he always manages to make really dumb moves. Hmm. So, okay. Um, what do you want me to go into? Do you want me hmm. to go into the forces, the demon forces, or do you want me to go into the diamond thing and maybe how Nigeria is involved? Um, let's go into the diamond thing. Then we can go into the demon. Actually, demon forces then diamond thing. Okay. Hmm. So Demon Forces, this is how this guy gets 97 years. Chucky, 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 Chucky. He tortured Liberians, Sierra Leoneans, members of his own force. Literally anyone with a pulse could get it. But in his case, you had certain victims testify. And I'm going to just give you an account of one of the reasons why he was get, found guilty of torture while he set up this case um, during his run of the anti-terrorism unit, right, of the demon forces. On April 22nd, 1999, a Sierra Leonean refugee named Suleiman Jusu was attempting to make his way to the Liberian capital of Monrovia okay. with his extended family. He was fleeing the rebel incursion in northwestern Liberia. Basically, this is a refugee that has fled Sierra Leone, moved into Liberia, and now there's an incursion in the northwest part of Liberia, and now he's trying to move to the capital. Okay. Chucky's dad is the reason why there is an incursion, right? Because he sent forces into Sierra Leone mm. and there's now a rebel force fighting him in Sierra Leone which is now 
moving into Liberia. So this guy has had to run away at least twice because of Charles Taylor. On their way to Monrovia, they get to a checkpoint at the St. Paul River. And he just thinks, you know, kind of police checkpoints, how you just give them small cash and you keep going. Like they've they've met different checkpoints on their way to the capital. Yeah. You, know? you know, that kind of, you know, the P. Mm-hmm. And so they think, yeah, like, however, as they were at the checkpoints, members of the anti-terrorist unit, they realize it's not police. It's like, it's like getting to a checkpoint and realizing it's not Nigerian police or it's not Lasma, it's SARS. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. It's like, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So they get to the checkpoints and they realize is the demon forces they separate it just immediately they're just like men one side women one side like mm. it's it's going down you know like they already know while the yeah. demon forces were essentially on the side of the road they told the men to strip to their underwear and they went you know they sent them to the side unfortunately for them a group of suv pulled up of other demon force members and a furious man jumped out of one of these SUVs, waving around a nine millimeter gun. Oh dear, it's him. Guess who this is? Oh yeah, it's him. He was super, super angry. And he asked these fleeing refugees if they were the rebels, the Sierra Leonean rebels that were fighting his dad. Uh, And they were like, no. We're running away from the fighting. We're not fighters. Like, this is a family. Mm. This is my brother. This is my sister. This is her husband. He takes three of the men and shoots three of them right in the head. He tells his soldiers to make them kneel in front of him. Shoots three of the men in their heads, execution style. Kills them. Tells his soldiers to take their bodies away, sever their heads, and display their heads on top of posts at the checkpoint. Mm. Suleiman, in this way, watches people he knows get killed, including his brother-in-law. Jeez. Now, the rest of the men he takes to the ATU camp and proceeds to torture them in absolutely horrific ways. Mm. Stabs them, he burns them, he pours melted plastic on them. They were forced to stay in prison cells that were essentially grave pits that were half filled with water. Yeah. Electrocute them on their genitals, like beheaded one of them. When I say he gives a day run for his money, I'm not playing because I'm really not going into detail. I read the the judgment, the US court judgment on his case. And you know. One thing I've learned, like doing this podcast, is that these guys are super creative with their evilness. <laughs> like they have to sit down and think to do this. It's true. Like, yeah, there was a guy who he was like, oh, he he told his soldiers to kill a guy, and they were about to shoot him, and he was like, Mm-mm, I want to see blood. So he asked them to bring a knife, which is like, it kind of like a, a a small knife to behead the man. So the man is pleading for his life as he is beheaded. Mm. And he tells them to do it over a bucket so that the blood can pour into it. Oh, God. I want to throw up. 
mind you this whole time he has carried one korean girl from one korean american girl from florida and she's chilling in the yard mm-hmm. in monrovia having his babies mm. living a deranged like he's still trying to live his bad boy life with his baddie from high school literally she doesn't go to college either picks up from high school brings her to liberia he's living like Mm. what type of life i don't even know so yeah that's one of the reasons why he is found guilty of torture i'm not going to talk about the other ones because they're really violent but he did a lot Mm. and he enjoyed it clearly um yeah now we said we'll talk about diamonds but before we talk about diamonds i want to just tell you how this man got arrested so you know charles taylor gets deposed he loses and he runs to nigeria this is in july of 2003. charles runs to nigeria he runs to calabar you know he's still he's up in calabar and obj is trying to manage the situation um Sandra's trying to manage the situation echoas guys are talking nigerian soldiers had taken the lead in sierra leone and liberia at this point in time and somalia also but basically the lead forces in ECOMOG, which is the military wing of ECOWAS. So this is like a a thing where like all the heads of states in West Africa are talking about what's gonna go on with Charles Taylor, because obviously they're looking for him in the Hague and they want him to face charges. So Charles is in Calabar. So Chucky, you know, sees Charles in Calabar and then he runs to Trinidad. His mom is from Trinidad and he has family in Trinidad, you know, his mom's Trinidadian American. And when he married Lynn, his high school sweetheart, they did their, what's that thing called? Honeymoon in Trinidad, right? Mm. He goes to Trinidad. This is after he has led these ATU forces. This is after he had been running around with demon plates, after he had killed a few people and mm. lives like a very anonymous, low-key life. Like he's living on the beach. He's a security guard for a while. Then he mm. decides to try and become a rapper. I sent you one of his songs if you were wondering what that YouTube link was. I opened it and I was like, nope, I just closed it. I didn't even realize it was him. I'm just like, I'm not listening to I'm not, I'm not listening to whatever this is in 2023. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, but now I have to go back to it. I don't see if you yeah, um, Now you have to go back to it. So he is in Port of Spain, you know, and he's recording a rap song like... Mm. He's kind of chilling. And then between 2004 and 2005, he's calling the U.S. um, defense attache in Liberia Mm. several times, seeking information about the U.N.'s travel ban because he, because of his torture and craziness, and as head of the demon forces, he's put on the U.N. travel ban. So he's Mm. calling the U.S. um, attache in Liberia, like how far the travel ban and... Can they really ban him because he's an American at the end of the day? You know, he starts remembering, like, hey, that guy Chuck, that was just, like, a social experiment. (laughs) I was just that guy for, like, a couple of years. How far? I'm really Roy, you know? I'm an American citizen. He even asks if he can join the U.S. Marines. Okay. Anything to, any excuse to kill someone? Yeah, he won't. (laughs) <laughs> like, he was like put me in coach put and, then, me in. and then he's because <laughs> remember 
This is when the U.S. launches their war on terror. <laughs> this is Abu Ghraib time, right? This is America torture in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is when America. This is when Bush brings says torture is back. Geneva Convention. Oh, we don't know out that. of the window. Pooh and and you know Chucky saying Trina. He said ah. I can help you people now. Mm. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh-uh. <laughs> Call me. I know the tactics. I, I I work with some Israelis, some South Africans, some Ukrainians. I'm, I'm about it. Put me in, as you said. Now, I'm guessing the U.S. attache was like, bro, you're a wanted criminal in America because when you were 17, you fled felony charges. Mm. You're now on the U.N. travel ban list for being a war criminal like i don't think this thing is going to work for you but i guess he kind of gets tired of paradise and of living in trinidad and on the 30th of march 2006 he flew to miami he said i'm going home he flew to miami on a flight from trinidad and officials executed a warrant for his arrest as soon as he landed on american soil he landed okay. using a false passport. Yeah, as soon as he landed, they were like... <laughs> Roy. Roy. What was that his first name again? Roy. Um... Roy Belfast. Roy, Roy Disneyland. Then Belfast. Roy yeah, 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 Belfast. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he had traveled on a passport and said that his dad's name was Daniel Smith. He just did a whole fake passport thing. It looks exactly like Charles Taylor. Like, mm. how did this? And his dad was facing charges in the Hague. Like, it's not even like you look like a a war criminal that people can't really recognize. Mm. It's like you know, like if Claire, it's Claire. Like your dad is really mm. famous right now. Like, anyways, Miami, they arrest him. Um, in his luggage, they find a book on guerrilla tactics and a notebook mm. with rap lyrics written by him with some of these lyrics making reference to the ATU. Gang, gang, gang. Oh, my God. <laughs> I shoot that nigga like I shot that other nigga in Freetown last week, allegedly. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hip-hop is crazy. <laughs> Bro, how... How Produ- dumb. Producer is like, come how? on, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> like, do you know, the thing about it is like, are we a joke to you? It's not like he was flying into Nigeria. Do you grab? Mm. You can slide on that DSS, which actually, reading about Nigeria Secret Service, I don't even think he could have gotten past DSS. But like, you're traveling into America. Mm. And you think and you have proof in your hand luggage. In the form of hip hop. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> also, during his arrest in Miami, they were reading him him his Miranda rights and he wove it. He wove it. He said that's <laughs> God. Mm. As a lawyer, I can't this is amazing because he grew up in America, so like, at least, at least, they were telling him you have the right to remain silent, and he said, "Oh no, oh ATU, that was just my pet project." He literally called it his pet project 
Bro. during his original arrest. Bro, what? Pet projects. He. These are. The, let me tell you some of the things he said. He said first that it's. He said, first of all, even though I listed Daniel Smith as my father on my recent U.S. passport application, my father is actually Charles Taylor. Second of all, the ATU was my pet project prior to 2000. And I was commander of the ATU. And third, that yes, he was present when a press guy was arrested by Yeaton and was beaten and burned with an iron, but that he just watched. Wow. Imagine, imagine saying all these things from jump, like for free. They didn't even torture him. He just said all these things. Scary. Now, you know how scary this guy is? How scary is he? <laughs> he was talking about... So a lot of his defense was about how America, like, even though they're signatories to the Convention Against Torture, that America is actively, at that time, because now this is 2006, Iraq, America mm-hmm. at that time was like, the Geneva Convention does not apply to us. So he's like, yo, like, what am I doing that's different from what they're doing? First, he tried to say, I'm not even American. I'm Liberian. Just send me back to my country. And yeah. they're like, psych. You have two countries. And then, yeah. And then he was like, okay, well, if I'm American, Americans are torturing people right now. You know, it's war. We torture people during war. So why is my own difference? <laughs> and he, <clears throat> bro, Where's his lawyer? Bro, they gave him public defenders. Okay, also, at this point in time, Charles Sr. is in The Hague. So he kind of has free chuck. That's also why he kind of left Trinidad. He's broke. Mm. His daddy was like, I'm dealing with my own wahala right now. And you were even pissing me off. Like, you were pissing me off. Before, you know, I told you, his dad had already removed him as commander. Even before his dad removed him as commander, his dad used to make him stay away from the ATU training camps due to his quote-unquote wickedness. You know when an African war (laughs) criminal says his son is too wicked? (laughs) Yeah. A mixture of pride and genuine terror. No, his his dad was like, bro, you need to keep him away from the recruits because he's wicked. Oh yeah, Obugo, just telling his friends. Obugo, oh look at you, your Yoruba has improved. That boy is that boy is he's he's dangerous. You cannot run against GRV in Lagos. (laughs) Don't kill me at this one. (laughs) You're so proud of that. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. Anyways, he talks about <laughs> Tim Tayo is crying right now. Tim Tayo, TMT is in tears. <laughs> so Chucky talks about um, a U.S. Marine that was accused of executing two prisoners of war during the Battle of Fallujah, Fallujah in Iraq. Yeah. And he says that he can empathize with the accused soldier. And I quote... I know that in conflict, men, particularly brave men, can see their actions blurred by circumstance. In simple terms, 
Chucky views himself as a victim, not a perpetrator. And I quote, the average human right, the average human rights group thinks about the little man. Well, I am the little man. What? Yeah. That was like a speech from and like that was like a speech from Breaking Bad. <laughs> I've never watched that show, so I have to take your word for it. Oh my but God. yeah. Yeah. And by the way, like Chucky was all around like terrible. Mm-hmm. And like his Lynn Henderson, <clears throat> Lynn Henderson, who's his high school sweetheart that mm-hmm. followed him to Monrovia and had his baby, actually had to run away because she she said that he developed a really bad cocaine problem. I knew he had a po- cocaine um, problem. Co- it reads like it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, very much so. It, he had a really bad cocaine problem. And um, he the last time he strangled her, he strangled her and his mom had to stop him from strangling her. And that, that was the last time she saw him. And she she ran away. So yeah, that's what, he can give Uday a run for his money because i'm going to talk about the bad things he did because i want to go into something more juicy yeah i um, mean you you know like what i found i think a, a solid parallel between him and Uday is that they were like both in combination of and i think it's a very underrated in terms of how dangerous it is combination when you are both ve- when you are very violent and very ruthless and mm. very unintelligent Mm-hmm. It is such a dangerous mm-hmm. combination. It is so scary, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you have these guys who are horrible men, but there's a means to an end with their violence, right? Regardless of yeah. how you feel about it morally, and then they have children that are so undeveloped, underdeveloped. You have they're, mm-hmm. they're so underdeveloped. And yeah. But they're capable of the same acts of brutalism towards their fellow man. And it must really scare them just like, you know, like, wow. Who who does it scare? The people themselves or their fathers? Their fathers. It must scare their fathers like, like, you know, like, come on. You know, like, I get killing a man in front of his It must also hold a mirror to them. Yes, it must. It should. Have a reason for it. Yeah, it should. I... I think I, I, I think there's something for like uh, their fathers hustled, right? Mm-hmm. They've had bad things happen to them, and then they have also done bad things to other people. Mm. Like maybe they even have an understanding of what it is to be beaten with a gun or pistol whipped, or I, I don't know. Like obviously, Saddam was a little bit of a privileged kid, but he had a very funny background as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But like they kind of rise through the ranks. So they've lived in fear. And I think maybe having fear sometimes checks their brutalism, but I'm not sure because they were very brutal people. Mm. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's intelligence. Maybe it's fear. I don't know. But when you have no fear, no sense, Mm. and all Mm. the power and all resources, the combination, because like, why are you killing your driver? It's true. Like, I don't believe Saddam would have killed his driver. 
he would have massacred a bunch of like he would kill yeah. in he'll kill innocents for not wanting him to rule them yeah you know he would drop poison gas on people but like will saddam kill his driver like mm-hmm. remember with um the killing even his the killing of his food tasters what sent him over the edge do you remember with with his son <clears throat> do you i mean i don't know if i told you about this book i was reading and it was about saddam's it's basically about the cooks of dictators mm. so it's a it's a food it's a food book but each um <clears throat> each chapter focuses on the cook of one chapter focuses on saddam's cook another one focuses on Paul Potts cook another one focuses on you know so each chapter just focuses yeah. on the different dictator and the person who cooked for them and Saddam's dictator was like he was just like listen for all intents and purposes Saddam was actually a normal guy he was just like he, he was a prankster he didn't hurt people for no reason he had bad when he hurt people obviously like he, you couldn't justify it to us but like you could kind of see where he, why he would go there but like when he told Saddam that he wanted to quit so mm. he, he was he he said it was one of the most terrifying moments of his life and saddam looked at him and said okay but every now and then i want you to send me some food and saddam gave him money and a car and sent him off you get what i'm saying mm. he, he, they, would have they would have him. killed him on the spot yeah like, on the spot yeah. he would have killed him exactly like monsters birth scarier monsters yeah that's literally because they, they see like, the violence but they don't see the rationale behind it so they just think it's, a, it's i don't it's even a know of, it's a way of life like i don't want it to sound like we're we're rationalizing saddam i'm not no 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 that's yeah, violence yeah because yeah, 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 that's yeah. not what we're yeah, doing these are evil people but we're just birthing evil, evil people, people. <laughs> But they, they, no, they ha- they birth depraved kids, yeah. like literally, like depraved. Because, because another thing that's very interesting about Charles, which is different from like Uday or a lot of the other kids that we've spoken about previously, mm. is his daddy wasn't even there. Mm. He came as a fully formed teenager and then just took this thing on mm-hmm. and ran with it. Yeah. Anyways, now he's changed his name to, I believe, Hamza Abdulaziz. Oh, he found... Um... His rel- he found Islam in prison. What? Found God. I found something else that said he changed his name to, like, Gamanji or something. I don't know. I looked at his prison records, and his prison records still list him as Roy M. Belfast. So, I don't know. Um, We're going to go to the drugs now, because it's quite interesting. Oh, my gosh, wait. So, I was trying to find this thing out. Because, you know, for the fact, I said he's the only American convicted of torture overseas. Mm -hmm. He was 100% the first American convicted, right? Mm -hmm. And I have been trying to find other Americans who have been convicted, and I can't find any. If I was wrong in my fact, I would love for somebody to inform me. Mm. Just in case I was wrong. Mm. But I have found somebody who was charged recently. Okay. Actually, Tim Sarah, I need to talk about this guy. Let's hold off on the drugs, monkey. I need to tell you about Ross. Ross. <laughs> Ross Roggio. He was charged just last year. So this is real recent. I don't know if it's that Roggio or Brogio. Mm. I'm going to read the title of this article that they wrote on him. Guns, Grift and Gore. The life and times of an arms dealing hustler inside the strange saga of former paratrooper and confessed pathological liar ross roggio who federal prosecutors allege was a one-man crime wave 
Confessing that yeah, pathological liar is crazy. When they when they arrested him, first of all, he, I don't know if he confessed he was a pathological liar, but the reason why they say confess pathological liar is because when they arrested him in 2017, he claimed he had been kidnapped, right? Which is a whole different story. And they like searched through his phone and they saw he was using his phone during this time he was supposedly kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sending emails and stuff and Googling stuff. And one of the things he Googled was how to stop lying. <laughs> okay, that's funny. That's funny. Imagine the FBI, like, thinking they're going to find him Googling something about, like, arms delete or something. And this guy is incessantly Googling, how can I stop lying? He's, he's scared of himself. First of all, he flew into JFK in 2017 with his mistress, who was an Instagram model, right? right? Yeah. Um, by the way, like, this guy is in his late 40s and he's coming from Kurdistan. Mm-hmm. He took his Instagram model girlfriend to Iraqi Kurdistan. Anyways, he's the second person that has been charged and we can keep him for a bonus episode. We should. We should. Because this, this tale, this one is, you know, you know how we say that people live so many different lives. Mm-hmm. Scary, man. It's like, how how did you get there? No, yeah. not just how did he get there. This guy is married. He's living a normal white guy life in America, right? Mm-hmm. Finds a Greek influencer on Instagram to make his mistress, <laughs> and takes us to where ISIS are fighting, <laughs> and and manages to scam. <laughs> just, I feel like if you're a scammer, there's a point where you're like, I should not scam this guy. Like, this is the type of guy I don't scam, right? Yeah. Right? Like, maybe a guy who's sending weapons to, like, ISIS. Yeah. Or rebel forces. It's like, maybe don't scam. In Iraq, would be like, "Mm, mm." (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I'm going to leave that for a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, of course. By the way, his girlfriend's Instagram story was just showing beaches and stuff. She was like, oh, no, like, that place is safe. We were having a jolly good time showing her bags, her watches. You know when they say social media is not really people? <laughs> Somebody might be ISIS territory pushing beach, beach pick. <laughs> just, like, just be careful. Out here, be careful. Okay, I'm, I'm going to just quickly go to this thing because you need to understand that Chucky was BFFs with... Not BFFs, but he was working with two guys, um, very importantly. Leonid, Leonid, Leonid is a weird name, but Israeli arms dealer, Leo Minin, and South African mercenary, Fred Rindle. Now, Leo Minid, no, Leonid Minin, I'm just going to call him Leo. I'm proud of myself for struggling with rainbow names, you know? I'm proud. (laughs) That's that's Leonard. I'm going to say. Oh, is it Leonard? Well, it's not yeah. Leonard. Like, Leonard is like, you think it's Leonard? No, Leonard is Leonard and Leonard is Leonard. Yeah. So, this is Leonard. I've been saying as Leonard. Yeah, this is embarrassing. It was nice to watch you figure it out. That's Leonard. Wow. Leonard. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, these guys, like, Leonard. Wow. Okay. These guys are blood <laughs> diamond guys. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. You let me say Leonid like seven times. You know that? Like you could yeah. have stopped me earlier. Why would I? 
as much as we're trying to educate people, we're also trying to enjoy ourselves here. So let that be known. Leonard and Frank are blood diamond guys, and they are pals of Chucky. As you can yeah. imagine, Fred is the South African Defense Forces guy that was in Angola, in different places, ends up in Liberia, Sierra Leone, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. I would go into him because it's interesting, and you see how, like, you know, Nigerian, you know, the Nigerian head of ECOMOG, the military brigadier, yeah, that was head of the ECOMOG forces um, in Sierra mm-hmm. Leone, actually became the chief of defense for Sierra Leone, a Nigerian guy. And he mm. was there till he died in 2000. Mm. An Adamawa guy whose name is escaping me right now. But there's a lot of things there with Nigeria, diamonds, fighting over diamond regions in Sierra Leone and Liberia, true. ETC. True, true, true. But what I'm going to do is that I'm going to tell you, give you a bit of context that I'm going to talk about Lenit's arrest <laughs> and the facts from Chucky that they found because you know what? When I read that fax, I said, now this is an African man. That fax did not come from a Florida <laughs> man. It came from an African man. That was, and I'll say what the cousin said, you never know he was no more, he was, he didn't burn him here because <laughs> tapped. Okay, let me give you small context. By the way, like Leonard is part of the Italian, Corsican, and Russian mafia hmm. connected with the timber and di- timber and diamond industry in West and Central Africa. He's originally of Ukrainian origin, but he's an Israeli citizen and travels with Israeli passports. And he was arrested with three naked prostitutes, 50 grams of undiluted cocaine, and $500,000 of uncut diamond gems in a hotel in Milan. And they didn't arrest him intentionally. How did they Somebody just They just called in like, there's this crazy guy. There's this guy with prostitutes. Like, I'm pretty sure he's doing cocaine. Mm. So they just thought they arrested some like rich businessman who's just doing the most. Yeah. Then they now find out that this guy is apparently head of the Ukrainian mafia and the Odessa oil mafia something something. Mm-hmm. He's he done a lot, man. He's lived many lives. But I'm just going to give you guys some context in sierra leone you were having a little bit of a civil war in freetown this is in nine this this my context is coming from 1999 so things that developed after this i'm just giving you beginning context mm. when you had wahala going on in sierra leone um you guys have also just keeping your head that 90s you still have some like cold war situation going on you have soviet union you have america you have people dabbling in african issues yeah and that liberia was a country that was created by america liberia is really america's first outpost really liberia is a country created by america and it's bordering sierra leone so just keep this in mind in context of cold war sierra leonean um forces the government are fighting rebel forces and they're using soviet crafts they're using soviet helicopters and soviet machinery and soviet arms right when the helicopter breaks down and they're scrambling to repair or replace it, they don't rely on conventional arm dealers. Instead, they reach out to a Belgian diamond mining core. This is how much diamonds meant in West African conflicts. Mm. Their munition is, they don't have weapons. They don't go to the Soviets, they don't go to the Americans, they don't try and buy it from 
arms dealers they go to a belgian mining corporation belgians by the way remember belgians were there yeah. depleting congo yeah. this is sierra leone so this is west and central african so anytime we talk about colonization and people like africans need to already recover from colonization this was 1999 you guys like things were still happening yesterday okay mm, mm. <clears throat> anyways the Sierra Leonean government agrees to buy $3.8 million worth of engine parts and ammunition from this Belgian-based diamond corporation. In the end, the parts are unsuitable. As you can imagine, they didn't go to experts, did they? And they're not, and the helicopters stay grounded, and the RUF fighters who were being backed by Charles Taylor were able to then take over Freetown and push the Sierra Union government forces out of their capital. Right. Now, mining interests played a key role in the fighting in Sierra Leone and in Liberia. Rival mining companies who also would, you have corporations, right? So they would also have security firms or mercenary companies. Like the same guys who own these mining companies also have their own security firms and mercenary companies. And these guys are from Europe, Israel, former Soviet Union, either Belgians, mm -hmm. Israelis, Ukrainians. <clears throat> they start like bidding. Well, they'll tell the government or the RUF, we'll help you fight if you give us mining rights. So we'll back the RUF and if the RUF take over this area, Obviously, mm -hmm. we'll be able to mine the diamonds in that area, right? Mm -hmm. So essentially, for them, this is a cheap way to win access to diamond fields. And this is also why a lot of mining companies were actually fueling the wars, because it's better for them if there's no stable government. Mm -hmm. so this, yeah, like, that makes a lot scrambles... sense. Yeah. So they were... Like, it's going to be harder to regulate any sort of industry that America profits in when the country is destabilized. Ergo, the whole entirety of the 70s. Yeah. So these conflicts end up being really brutal. And this is goes into Angola, Congo, Liberia, and Sierra Leone, especially. And you have oil companies also. So not just mining companies. We have oil companies, mining companies, security firms, filling the void and taking part in their own scramble for Africa. In Sierra Leone, because they had been in conflict for so long, they couldn't even put down cash. So they will only put down diamonds, diamonds. or diamond rights. Yeah. Or mining rights, yeah. Like, yeah, like either diamonds or like a combination of diamonds and mining rights. Like we don't, they don't have money. <laughs> so they're like, oh, we don't have money, but you can have that mine in Ikoi. There's a ton of diamonds in it. Just give me a helicopter. Hmm. Um, the problem is that Charles and Chucky were obviously involved in this and they were giving RUF fighters training and arms. And this is according to both like Nigerian intelligence, African intelligence and Western intelligence. They were like Chucky and Charles were in this thing that they would send truckloads of automatic rifles and ammunition and send them straight to Sierra Leone. Now, obviously, they denied this, but we have proof now. This was the 90s, they were denying this. A retired mm. South African Army intelligence officer, Fred Rindle, provided training for Taylor's forces and to the RUF 
West African military intelligence, like the Nigerians in Ekumog, who had fought the SADF in Angola, were like, guys, we're in Liberia, and these guys are giving us South African formation. Like, we recognize these tactics. This is straight out of the South African playbook. Now, the guys who were tied to Chucky, Leonard, and um, the other guy, I forget his name, but it's only Leonard who's really interesting to me because mm. of how he was arrested. By the way, like, you had this whole mercenary thing. It's like a worldwide operation. It's not just like these ex-South Africans or ex-Israeli and sometimes ex-British forces fighting ex-Belgian forces fighting in Africa. No. I don't know which other, uh, who else they aligned themselves with. Um, Nazis? I don't know, like... No, no, Nazis, that's too long ago now. This is 90s, 2000s. The Medellin cartel. That's still Nazis. I know, but I meant like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant like, you know, um, they were like... Narcos. Narcos, right? Like, you had an Israeli officer who was providing support working with Chucky them in Sierra Leone called Ya Klein. He was actually convicted of illegally selling arms and training the Medellin cartel. Mm. So like they're really bad guys in the world. <laughs> and I you're laughing like like I'm being naive. But... No, like they're objectively bad. Like you're saying they're not they weren't just like um you know like chaotic neutral. They were bad, bad people. Yeah, they're super bad. Um, and yeah, and these are the type of guys that Chucky was having lunch with and having like hanging out with. At some point in time, you had geologists from the University of Witz. So I think the full name of Witz is a university in South Africa, which I spent time in when I was studying. Um, you had this uh, Leonard guy coming in to meet with Chucky, uh, with geologists and stuff like that, being like, oh yeah, <laughs> we have a sweet deal coming to us from Junior. They used to call him Junior. Mm. Guy, even Al-Qaeda was getting into this. They were even helping Al-Qaeda. Because mm. you have cocaine, you have opium coming from Al-Qaeda controlled territories in Afghanistan. You have diamonds coming from Liberia. And the thing is like, anytime you see these things on the internet, they just seem like really vast conspiracies that you can't wrap your head around. And I promise like, I still can't wrap my head around it. But you literally have some key players like Chucky Taylor who are just well-placed, narcissistic, moronic idiots who are literally running with guys who kill people for a living or train people in how to kill people and enjoy it. And I think what's especially like scary about these guys is they don't have to, they didn't have to live this life. Yeah. And also which guys, somebody like, like Chucky or these men and, no, and like, like Chucky. guys, which one? Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird because, yeah, Chucky didn't have to live this life. But to be honest, like, I don't see, I don't think he would have ended up, I think, like, he would have ended up in jail wherever he was, man. Like, he should have probably just copped that felony charge when he was 17 and went to prison. Because, <laughs> mm. no, like, 90, he was 90, in America. 97 years. Like, then he would have gotten, like, maybe, like, 10 or something. But now he has 97. 10 to 15. Yeah. 
if he, he had gotten 10 to 15, he would have come out and he would have already been in exile. He would like, have gotten a mentor in prison, someone that set him on the right path. You know, something. He would have become Hamza then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would have found religion then. Yeah. Like, but I, I don't know. Like, I think whatever environment you put him in, he would have taken in the worst of it and just embodied because mm-hmm. it seems like he just embodied the worst of anywhere he went yeah true, true, but true. um yeah so this is how leonard got arrested he was chilling in a hotel with four scantily clad women who were basically naked with one russian prostitutes italian prostitutes this man was continental yeah mm. and he was 52 at this point in time and he was held because, as I said, he was caught with $500,000 worth of uncut, uncut diamonds. He had $3 million in cash in his account. And he told them, he was like, yeah, you guys caught me with like 50 grams, 58 grams of the highest quality cocaine available. But I just, the truth is I do 30 to 40 grams myself a day. Like, Jesus. I'm just having a <laughs> He spends $1,500 on cocaine every single day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So he was like, I'm not, it's like, I'm not a drug dealer. Like, I'm just, this is just me, baby. I'm just vibing. <laughs> I'm just vibing, shorty. Shorty, I'm just vibing. <laughs> yeah. So the Italian police in Milan are like, you know, Milan, they are just like, we just caught one high flyer. Obviously, he's rich. They can tell he's rich and like he's with prostitutes he's having a good party you know so they they have no idea they have this gang star arms dealer Mm -hmm. blood diamond guy in their custody but they're like your drug charges are really serious so we're not gonna let you go like that because he's like i can pay a bit i'll pay bail take the diamonds i'm good let me just go you know yeah um and they later find that you know he is an arms dealer he's banned and wanted from like five countries in switzerland he was banned from entering the com- country and they recorded his aliases as leonard minin wolf breslav igor oslovs and leonard bush to bush bush stein yeah the thing is that every single one of those names do sound like an arms dealer or a concert pianist at the new york philharmonic or something you know like just very out there mm-hmm. yeah also like yeah and then they said that basically as in this guy has a life of crime assassinations like they said that he was part of the what is it oil mafia in odessa um that he had had three men assassinated in Brussels, like in 1994. Mm. He had given 200,000 to Philippe Rosenberg, a member of the mm. Belgian parliament, um, to obtain documents so that he could set up an arm of his business in Belgium. Um, he had been arrested in Germany. He had left the USSR in 1967, where he was suspected for racketeering. France claimed that he had moved on, he had moved, come to France and then moved on to Bolivia, Switzerland, Germany, Monaco, and Italy, where Mm -hmm. he was dealing in oil and oil products. And then he, 
he went to Italy where he had been suspected as a head of a criminal group originating in Ukraine. And then yeah. he came to Africa <laughs> where he helped Joseph Momo in Sierra Leone and the revolutionary United mm. Fronts having mm. getting getting timber, oil and diamonds. Mm. Fantastically bad, this guy. Fantastically bad. Now, I tell you all this about this guy, right? Because <laughs> let's bring this back to Chucky. Let's bring this home. <laughs> and you guys will know that I've, I've given you everything I could give you today. I'm lying. I'm giving you like 40%. And I will tell you books you guys can read. But I want to bring this home because when he was arrested with the prostitutes, the cocaine, the diamonds... He was also arrested with some documents, including a fax talking about Chucky. Several faxes were talking about Chucky and about sending a special package to him, to Junior, of 100 units, which Italian officials believed were missiles. Chucky was receiving 100 missiles. And a fax from Chucky to Leonard. This is this bad guy, this international bad guy, right? A fax mm-hmm. that Chucky signed Charles MacArthur Taylor Jr., his full government. And do you know all that this the fax says? What? From this day forward, never in your life ever contact me again. <laughs> That's all. He said, never in your life ever contact me. From Charles MacArthur Taylor Jr., full stop. Wow. That nigga African, your honor. <laughs> That's such a Nigerian. Oh, man. Who's that? That's such a Nigerian way of ending, ending the relationship. A relationship is in your life. <laughs> and ending a relationship with a scary Ukrainian mob guy. Who does that? Mm. In your life, never text me again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, that's the tale of Chucky Taylor. That is our anniversary episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself, Tim Taro. I did. I um, did. Um, I hope. I hope that when you're when you're ending this episode, you put in some of his music at the end of the thing. I <laughs> just to lend some extra context. I might put some of it in the beginning, Look and then if you get to the end, they will know that that is Roy Belfast Jr. aka Chucky Taylor aka Charles Taylor the second aka Charles Taylor Jr. aka Junior and we're out thank you guys for rocking with us for one year truly thank you take care appreciate keep sharing Um, very grateful 